3: I saw him outside.
0: There was nobody outside. There was. What'd he look like?
1: the boogeyman.
3: Boils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. Bloody Disgusting presents the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more with your hosts Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio.
0: I'm Leo. I'm Lauren. I'm Trevor and we are the Boo Crew. Welcome to episode 159.
2: Here's a Boo Crew Fright Fact. In 1988's Child's Play in the original script the director wanted charles lee ray to be andy's father
1: if you are liking what you're hearing it would mean the world to us if you hit up apple podcasts and not only rated the show but write us a review say hey tell us all about yourself it's such an awesome way for us to connect with you even more and we will read your review at the top of the show like leo is about to do right now who we got
0: we got one from cheyenne eden writes Love this podcast. Trevor, Lauren, and Leo are fantastic. They are all so likable and have great chemistry on set together. The interview questions are so meaningful, interesting, and unlike any I've heard before, these guys really do the research on their guests, which make interviews very engaging and organic. I love the episodes with Spencer Charnas and Magda. Thanks so much for your hard work and providing us with an amazingly fun podcast to listen to. Congrats, rating five stars. Oh,
1: thank you so much, Cheyenne. That's awesome. Oh, yes. that was so, yeah. that was really nice. Yeah, thank that was uh, Spencer Charnis from Ice Nine Kills and Magda Apinovich from Volition. That's right. Woo! Yeah, she's fantastic.
2: Yeah, yeah no, those yes. are both really great guests. And thank you so much for all your kind words. They're super nice. And we're so lucky to have you as a listener.
1: And Lauren, you got another one.
2: I do. Eroy killer podcast. This show is awesome. Hello from Colorado. I love Colorado. That's so awesome. I wasn't allowed to watch horror as a kid and now I'm getting caught up by binge watching as much as possible. I'm totally addicted. I totally get that. One of my favorite parts of the shows is the horror homework and I have watched so many great flicks based on the cast recommendations. I also love that they have interviews, musicians, from some of my favorite bands. The interview with Maria Brink is one of my favorite episodes. Thank you all for the great show. Rating. Five stars,
0: yeah, yes! E-Roy,
1: yeah, thank you so much. That's fantastic. Yes. That was Maria Brink from In This Moment, one of our favorite bands.
2: I'm so glad that you're able to catch up on all this horror. I mean, it stinks that you didn't get to watch it as a kid, but at the same time, think about if you didn't watch any horror and then later in life you got exposed to all this really great stuff, that'd be really cool.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of went through a similar thing. I didn't, I was terrified of horror when I was a kid, and it wasn't until probably. Yeah high school probably high school when i really started to work up the courage and had that friend who had introduced me to everything from texas chainsaw massacre to mother's day and all these great films every weekend was like life-changing to see all these movies at that age yeah leo how were you like at that age when you started watching horror films
0: oh man i was yeah i was young and i I mean i was pumped because a lot of it was slashers and stuff yeah and you know it was it was exciting because You know, you knew they were fake, but there were still, you know, they had the scary jump, you know, jump scare moments and stuff. But it just got the adrenaline rush. And it's like, give me more. You know, it's like, this is cool.
1: So how long, how old were you about when you first started watching horror? Would you say, Leo?
0: Oh, when I started watching slashers, probably around like, nine or ten wow like yeah. Was, see, course, not not yeah. Yeah, yeah see i was way older than that yeah 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 i was not supposed to you are not supposed to you know but it, but it was one of those where like eh, it was harmless you know because everybody was it, people were more laughing at them than they are really jumping at this than being scared or anything you know sure so it was more like a community thing it was just like ah you know what it's you know then eventually a couple years later you're like oh that's cool how do they do the whole head chopping off thing you know it's like but once the scary stuff kicked in, then it's like, ah, okay, this is crazy, man. Right. Step back for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How about you, Lauren? I, yeah. I think
2: I was I was definitely a teenager. I mean, I saw Freddy when I wasn't supposed to at like seven or eight, and that scarred me. And then I I was just scared of everything. Like anything scared me. So, but when I was older, was it like,
1: it a, like a friend thing, like at parties or sleepovers? That you it was like,
2: like. So my friend Morgan. Her dad, like I used to hang out with Morgan almost every weekend. And her dad would just drop us off at the movies. Like he didn't even care what we were going to see. (laughs) Like we had it made. We would like.
1: Would he give you money? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. You did have it made.
2: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. We'd go to Subway. We'd get our veggie sandwich. And then we would go to the movies. And we'd always see horror movies, which was awesome. And nobody cared. Like my parents didn't know or care what was going on. But, you know, I, I think about our kids and what Scarlett is watching some horror, but I think not anything crazy. And she's 11, so she's getting exposed at a younger age than we are. But she's like really interested in it. And I think she sees it like I think our kids will always see it differently. Because
1: yeah, they, they I think see they see it. see it more for the art just yeah. because like uh, the house where we're doing the show from is literally sur- surrounded in silicone statues and Props from different horror films that really show how the movies are made. So I think they see that and they're around that. So they recognize, oh, wow, this is how they did that.
2: Yeah, they're right. they're really hard to scare. Like there's
1: good, good, maybe a bad thing. I don't know.
2: Yeah, <laughs> they get scared of like toe jam. Like, little fuzzies (laughs) that go in the bath, like, like (laughs) really weird stuff.
0: Oh, man, that's funny.
2: Stuffy people, like, just weird things. They just don't, they get scared of weird things, I guess. I don't know. It's a byproduct of this environment, but it's kind of cool.
1: E-Roy and Cheyenne, thank you so much for taking the time to write such thoughtful reviews. If you want yours read on the show, head over to Apple Podcasts and find the Boo Crew. This time around, we are joined by one of the most revered vocalists in music, Chino From Deftones He joins us to talk All about their ninth album Ohms At time of release Available Friday September 25th As huge Deftones fans This one is a really Big deal to us I know I personally Discovered them through Their Around the Fur album And that and White Pony Became the soundtrack To my life When they came out And the songs Took on so many meanings And got me through so much And onwards to their Entire catalog And they quite possibly Did the same for you too Leo what about you Do you remember when You were first exposed To the Deftones
0: Yeah Be quiet and drive far away Man that song (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I love the heavy guitars Yeah, I just go back to like Around the fur of those days I remember thinking Man, who are these guys? It was right before They got radio play You know, right be- right When that music was shifting Towards a harder rock You know Where we got the Deftones And we got the Corn And the Limp Bizkit You know, that era of music You know, rock I was just like Man, who are these guys? And I've been a fan since It's just amazing Amazing I mean, Chino's vocals are amazing. The music's just heavy and and just so well put together, man.
1: We'll talk about the mystique of the band, Chino's love of horror films, his work scoring a horror movie for Blumhouse and Hulu. We get into The Occult, his collaboration with Chelsea Wolfe, his thoughts on Poppy, paranormal experiences living in a haunted house while recording White Pony, the
3: return of Crosses, and so much more.
0: Episode 159 starts now.
3: The Boo Crew dusts a fright flick off the shelf for ah! Horror Homework.
1: We're going to go around the room and around the world wide web all the way out to Leo in beautiful downtown. Eagle Rock! Eagle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just going to highlight a horror flick to each other and possibly even to you that we consider a must-see or perhaps worth a revisit. Starting with, I'm Leo. Yes.
0: Have you guys seen 2019's La Llorona? Oh,
1: yeah.
0: That's an amazing movie. Now, this is a curveball, okay? Oh, okay, okay. 2019's. Not the curse of La Llorona. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, The trickster. I see what you're doing. (laughs) Messing with us. Uh, Yeah, yeah. This one popped up on Shudder, and I'm like, what's this? And I just. Recent release to Shudder, right?
2: Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, you know what, I saw it too because I was trying to find it for Scarlet and I was like, wait, That's like this is the Michael Schaub's one, this is something right,
0: different. Right, right, yeah, this one's this one's totally different. This one's uh, directed and written by Jairo Bustamante and this one comes out of Guatemala, which is really interesting because the lore, as we know, it comes from Mexico and this is like the next adjacent country to Mexico coming out with their version of the movie, which actually stays true to the lore, which is really interesting. So a quick premise for this movie is an aging paranoid dictator protected by a witchcrafting wife faces death and the uprise of his people in Guatemala. A very unique take on this movie. It's a very uh, slow burn. It takes time to set up and to tell you about the dictator and his family. So you got to be very patient with this. Like not much happens here and there, but there's a lot of good background. So the patriarch of the family, he is the highest ranking general of the Guatemalan military and has indigenous mayans who work uh, for him as housekeepers and caregivers who he really treats bad not just at home his family treats him bad but also like a, as a people in general like he's actually in fact he's committing genocide against them and killing off the race for the country in the name in the name of the country so it's very dark it's very sad in that sense but it's a very interesting take on the layarona lore as it's pulling out from some indigenous roots in terms of the mayan indians but it also stays st- true to the story. So not only was it interesting to hear not just Spanish, but you also hear the native Mayan language, which is very rare these days, which I believe could be the Yucateco language, which you also hear in Mel Gibson's movie Apocalypto. Overall, I thought it was a very unique take, very indie film-like, you know, it's it's very different. Like you're not gonna get a jump scare every eight minutes or so. It it's, has good atmosphere and good setup. And it keeps you guessing as to what is La Llorona, when is she going to come out, what, in what form, and 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 that all gets answered, and you're like, oh, I didn't expect that, holy shit, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, if you want uh, to check it out, something different, I recommend it, it's currently streaming, I believe, on Shudder, but uh, check it out, it's La Llorona 2019. Very cool.
2: Wait, can you do your... your...
0: Oh, yeah, do your La Llorona.
2: Yeah, do it, do your call.
0: <laughs> what does La Llorona say?
2: yeah leo text Actually,
0: us. she doesn't she doesn't say in this movie though well, well just pretend just, yeah, just she, pretend she does. says yeah do the la <laughs> all right because you know the, the, the thing about la Llorona, man is when she's close by when you hear her close by she's actually far away but when she's far away when you hear her far away she's actually close by and you might hear her say Donde están mis hijos? Yeah.
3: Yes. yes, that's right.
2: Yes. Damn right. That's what you hear. Leo, when COVID's over, I'm hiring you to go to Everett's bedroom. Yeah, and do that. Just, like, yeah. Say it do outside. That. And I'll be like, oh, it's all your own." No, she's <laughs> coming for you.
1: <laughs> all right. Hey, man. Well, Lauren and I have been incredibly swamped with the kids and everything going on and distance learning and all that. Yeah, a little bit, a little, l- bit. little bit. And uh, we know you are too, listening, whatever you got going yeah. on. maybe. Maybe it's not kids. Maybe it's just the hustle of trying to pick up the pieces from this damn coronavirus nightmare. Who knows what you got going on? I'm sure it sucks, whatever it is, right? Yeah. We're with you. We got your back. We urge you to check out The Devil All the Time with us.
2: That's right. Oh, yes.
1: Yes. We just, uh, and to be honest, I mean, we're halfway through this because of the exact reasons I said we've been watching it in chunks, (laughs) but we're loving it. Like We're seriously loving it. We're halfway through. We cannot wait to finish it. It's on Netflix, directed by Antonio Campos, co-written with his brother Paulo Campos, produced by Jake Gyllenhaal and Randall Poster. It's based on the novel by Donald Ray Pollock, who is also the narrator in the film, which huh? I did not know that that voice we oh. hear stringing everything. Yeah, that's the oh. that's the author of the novel, the original novel. So it's a psychological thriller. It's got elements of horror. It's a family drama. It's kind of one of those generational sweeping narratives like. Derek, seeing Francis' Place Beyond the Pines. It kind of follows you through the cycle of a family and the effects of trauma and grief and how it's passed down. It's a meditation on parenting, even. It raises themes of evil and religion and power abuse and exploitation, and it's got an amazing cast.
2: Yes, it has Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Jason Clarke, Sebastian Stan, Mia Wasikowska, Robert Pattinson. It's insane. It's like, it's crazy. wow. It's like, the acting is so good. It's so good. And I don't know, something about, like, you just feel a certain way when you watch it. Like, you feel uncomfortable. You feel dirty. You feel on edge because you don't know, like, things just happen out of nowhere. Horrible
1: things. Yeah. (laughs) Like, happen repeatedly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, just...
2: You know, and I kind of maybe it's good that we're taking us a little bit of time to watch it because there are some like brutal things that happen in this and some crazy, horrific acts of violence. And it's a little wearing on the soul,
1: a little intense, a little intense. The sets are incredibly immersive as well. You kind of feel like you are in these abandoned shacks in Ohio. You can almost taste the peeling paint in some of these like it looks like they went into abandoned houses and said, okay let's set up this is their house let's do it in here (laughs) like that's how it's
2: like it really does and it looks like like the walls are sweating it's so hot yeah it's just you feel like you're actually there it's hard to explain and it takes place in the 50s and the 60s and that was kind of cool to go back to that era and see all the costuming and the cars and
1: yeah, they did a really good job. And Bill Skarsgård with his accent is incredible. He does a great job. they all do great with that accent. Yes. He will
2: always be Pennywise. It's those eyes. It's crazy. I was like, Oh, I was like, where's the balloon? Where's the balloon? I'm like, wait, this is not that movie. (laughs) I see. That's my problem. Like I have a hard time. I don't know. This is probably just me. Like, if I see someone in like a strong role, like they'll always be that character. Like just like right, Robert like, England. Yeah, it's Freddie. If I see him in anything, nope, that's Freddie. So I'm just like, no, nope, this is Pennywise.
1: Yeah, I think it's a testament to a great performance though. Mm. You know, like yes. again, yeah. Scarsgar Sk- with those yes. big eyes and you could, d- you see his cheekbones. You can kind of see Pennywise's <laughs> facial structure, right. you know, and it's right. just like, it's burned into your head. It's an incredible feat.
2: Yeah, it really yeah. is. So, check this movie out. We're excited to check out the end.
1: Yeah, let us know what you think of the end when you get to it. you probably beat us to it if you haven't seen it already. <laughs>
2: That's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, and it's, it's long. It is commitment time for this one. It's like over two hours, right?
1: I think it's a close to two hours, if not over two hours. It's right. like one of those, again, like one of those generational epics, like... I think it's blow like the, I know Shawshank Redemption Is like that Like it spans like A whole lifetime basically Titanic. Like if I was a kid In the Titanic If I was a right. kid In the video store It'd be like The two VHS With the elastic Wrapped around it Yeah Yeah Like the good The bad And the ugly yeah. Or something Like. So, right. yeah. <laughs> you know you're in For the long
4: haul That's great
2: Yeah but it's It's really fun And I suggest you Check it out with us
4: Hey what's up This is Chino From Deftones And you're listening To another terrifying Episode of the Boo Cruise <laughs>
3: That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy.
1: Joining the Boo Crew via the Speakeasy studio is an iconic singer, songwriter, and musician with the ability to seemingly bend space and time with his knack of discovering unorthodox galaxies of melodies that often clash with frenetic aggression to create something wholly original and inspired his band changed music their debut was 1995's adrenaline by the time 1997's around the fur came out they were certified gold and then platinum 2000's white pony a time of release recently celebrating his 20th anniversary became their highest selling album to date and earned several awards including a grammy the sonic palette the band nurtured and explored on that album arguably influenced most of the music being made by other artists since since then, who were enamored by the mystique of the production, performance, and songwriting. They went on to continually find a home at the top of the Billboard 200 with their self-titled album, Saturday Night Wrist, Diamond Eyes, their critically acclaimed Koi No Yo kan release, and 2016's Gore, their fifth album to debut in the top 10, and their highest charting since White Pony. Then there are the many other projects and bands he created like Team Sleep, Crosses, Sodade, and Palms, each a completely different musical adventure, playing with composition and technology with results that can only be described as whimsical. He's one of the most influential and celebrated vocalists of all time, and his band are at the cusp of releasing their brilliant ninth studio album. It's called Ohms. We are honored to welcome Chino Moreno of Deftones. Woo! Yeah. Hey hey, what's up? What is up, my man? Congratulations on the birth of this album. Yes. Nice. What does this stage of the nativity process feel like? I'm referring to kind of the reflection period and the press part where you're continually kind of looking back at a process you've already gone through. And I can say that we, the fans, we love it. It helps us to connect with the work in different ways. We wouldn't normally get a chance to do. And it inspires us by hearing about the journey, but what does that do for you? Is there any creative benefits that you get out of this part?
4: It's a definitely, you know, like a lot of this press stuff leading up to the release of the record, you know, I'm kind of forced to like reflect on, you know, the past, whatever it is almost 30 years now or, or even more you know started in the garage as teenagers you know so um so it, it is a trigger you know in this day to to be putting out new music with the same guys that i've known since i was really since i was like 10 11 12 years old you know we, we all kind of grew up together so the fact that we still enjoy getting them together and like creating shit out of nowhere is, is great
1: As much as it's a joy to learn about the music we love on this level, there's also a mystique that's played a role in the mechanics of the presentation of what you do in Deftones and in your other work. In the case of Ohms, whether it be like the cryptic Instagram posts or the path that we were led on to find the title of the album through like the Morse code artwork from on Spotify that you guys put out or different things like that, how important is it to you to protect? mystique and has that become more challenging or easier with technology as it grows
4: i, I feel a little extra with the, with that kind of but for the most part i mean i i enjoy that like for the artists, at least that i you know grew up listening to and still you know enjoy i enjoy a little bit of ambiguity whatever and what i'm you know what i'm into as far as like i don't like things for me and at the same time you know i like to kind of take things in and, and figure stuff out for myself and whether it be like through the lyrics, whatever, and create my own interpretation of what they may be or whatever, or, you know, I I don't like to know certain things. I feel like it it sort of, uh, it makes the listening experience actually a little bit more, I guess you get a little more payoff, I guess, you know what I mean? When when you sort of discover things on your own and things aren't so spoon fed to you. So, so I think we've always tried to remain like a, remain in this sort of like a, yes, we are a band. I guess we we are a successful band to a certain extent, but we're not, at a place where it's like we still can't sort of just kind of like lurk in the corners, you know what I mean? Of the room sometimes. And I, and I, I dig that. It's like this perfect space. I think that we sort of kind of take up, you know,
1: Ohms has a real cinematic feel to it as well. And it starts right off the top with the synth and the build on Genesis. It's the music sounds like a movie and the Deftones, Deftones has always been very visual In that way, often feeling like you're kind of being launched off a precipice with the melodic choices that you make, in particular as well, giving us like a soaring feeling all the time. Does film inform your songwriting and the world building aspects of the band?
4: Yeah, I mean, I won't say it's so direct, but but definitely like you know everything you know from the music we grew up to the movies we watched to all that stuff. I mean, I'm I'm I was born in the 1973, so you know coming of age in like the late 70s and the 80s pretty much were just like my those are like the, the years for me of discovering music and movies and whatever. I mean, um, so all that stuff plays a big influence, I think, on on what we do, you know, sonically and visually and everything. I mean, movies to this day still sort of like, you know, a, a very uh, when I see things, like uh, when I watch things or, or see things, I hear sort of sound, you know what I mean? And vice versa, when I hear certain sounds or melodies, I kind of see images as well. And those two things have always sort of like, been connected to me, so yeah, like I'm, I'm really into like you know, um, like when we're doing anything like the artwork or the videos or whatever, I already kind of have visions of like from just the sound of the music, I already have visions of kind of like what things I'd like to portray. Or, so I'm very much lately is a little bit more to getting into that kind of stuff.
2: Horror films are our specialty here with bloody, disgusting. The music of Deftones has been used in many horror films, from Ginger Snaps to Resident Evil Retribution. House of Wax, a lot of people who love horror, love Deftones and your other work, are you a fan of the genre?
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, grew up watching a lot of uh a lot of great great films that that uh helped shape my my mind, I guess in in, a, in maybe a good or or not so good way. But um yeah, I was I was like it was weird because like my parents were pretty liberal with like letting us kind of just like watch whatever we wanted to watch. So, um so, like, I, I grew up with two brothers and two sisters, and um, one older sister, but then the rest of my brothers and sisters are younger than me. And um, so I was the second oldest. But, um, yeah, we used to watch, like, you know, a lot of movies we shouldn't have watched when we were growing up. I mean, uh, I remember one of the movies that I, that still clicks to me is this movie called Ten to Midnight. And um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with this movie, but it's Charles Bronson. Charles Bronson's in it, and he's like, he's, like the, he's like the cop, whatever, but it's like about this killer kind of thing. And I used to watch this movie like me and my little sister who's who's i was young then so she must have been like super young then and like we would run skits from that movie like like you know she'd like watch it with me whatever It was like crazy that we would watch this kind of stuff you know what i mean um but a lot of those like um you no know, i really liked a lot of the psychological thriller kind of stuff from this late 70s early 80s kind of stuff like um all that stuff was like really to me the, that stuff was like w- way more intense than like gore stuff so like or slasher stuff, whatever. I was, like, way more into, like, the psychological stuff and stuff that seemed like it could actually happen, like, real kind of, like, uh, you know, the dude up the street or, like, whatever. Like, I remember the, the movie, When a Stranger called. the original movie, uh, When a Stranger Calls. I, mean, I remember watching that when I was a kid, too, and it's, like, you know, the dude's, like, the baby calling the babysitter, and, like, you know, I used to get babysat all the time when we were kids, whatever, too, so, like, like, I remember watching that as a kid, like, freaking out, like, and the dude's, like, calling from inside the house, just, <laughs> Like, shit, that's, you know, that's real. That was, like, probably, like I said, I shouldn't have been watching because I was, like, stuff that really scared me when I was a kid because it seemed like it was, like, stuff that can happen.
2: Trevor and I have four kids, and I was wondering, have you showed your kids any horror movies?
4: Not really. Um, Well, both of my sons, they're older now. They're in their early 20s. They grew up, like, Halloween is their their all-time, you know, they still watch it. Like, every time we have, like, a family sort of, like, thing we all get together and like it's the end of the night we all you know lay on the floor in front of the tv and and still watch you know one and two especially i mean those are the i mean they followed the series like on and on like i don't even like i can't pay attention like (laughs) after 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 part 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 two because part three was sort of like didn't have anything to do with it and then they kind of it just kind of didn't make it like i didn't care about after that but part one and part two which is part two is pretty much continuation of part one that whole vibe, the music, John Carpenter's music. I mean, the, the way it's filmed, the, the, you know, the, everything like, like, you know, and again, that's like something that aside from him dying a million times, whatever, like, you know what I mean? But, but in one and two, it's like, he's sort of, you know, lives through getting shot a couple of times, but it still seems real to me. And then anytime when someone like has a mask on or like a face covering to this day, that shit still irks me. Like anything like that, like where it's like a, a human and he's got his face covered. That still like freaks me out. Like, look like, you know, like I, and I was, I was tripped out for years, like taking a shower. Like we had a window that looked outside in our shower and I would be afraid to wash my hair. Cause would afraid like when I, once I got the, the soap out of my eyes, I'd look in the window and I'd see like Michael Myers in the window or some shit. Like I was <laughs> freaked out about that.
2: Have you ever seen the strangers?
4: That is my, so that's like the, the, the best movie that I've seen recently. I know it's old now, probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years old now, or maybe not that much, But as far as like newer horror movies, like that movie trips me out. The same kind of thing because my man with the with the hood on his head,
2: yeah, yes, you know that
4: that that freaked me. And he's like slow, and he's like in the house. You don't know where he's at. It has a very, very, very similar to the to the style of of the the first Halloween. As far as like you just kind of see someone lurking in the background, kind of moving in the background. That kind of shit still like bugs me out.
1: Right. And of course, that iconic line from that movie, like, why, why are you doing this? Well, because you were yeah. home. You know, it's yeah.
4: terrifying. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a great movie.
1: You actually scored a horror film for Blumhouse and Hulu, an episode of that Into the Dark series called I'm Just Fucking With You. And you killed yeah. it, man. You, you did so yeah. great. And there's a whole yeah. scene with someone's yeah. wearing a mask at, near, near, near the yeah. end there. And you had these yeah. brilliant synth cues. What was the process like of actually being put your toes in the fire and scoring a horror film?
4: I mean, that was super fun for me. Like I was kind of talking earlier about marrying the, the two, like the the visuals and the audio stuff. So like I was able to actually look at the clips and then sort of just like create from scratch tones and sounds and whatever um, to it. And um, it was harder than I, than, you know, it was, although like, you know, I'm talking like it was easy. It was actually, it's difficult. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of time, you know? Um, but but the, coming up with the initial ideas is, is the easy part. It's like I see something, I see a clip that send me like these clips and then I, I'd, um, yeah, I basically just use like an old synthesizer that I have and a, and a guitar. And that's the only two instruments that I used on that whole soundtrack. And, and I rarely used it like much. There's very minimal guitar. It's just kind of like more like ambient kind of stuff, whatever with the guitar. But most of it's all done on this, um, this old profit synthesizer that I have. And, you know, those, a lot of the sounds in that keyboard are, are have that sort of uh, 80s sort of vibe to it so to me it was fun just like creating it from you know from nothing and um and the movie I mean the, the yeah I, I dug it I mean it's, it's sort of the same like psychological thriller or something that could kind of happen kind of thing so um you know but it was more like psychological whatever um but building it was like super super fun I, I mean I, I would love to do something like that again you know.
1: The Prophet, isn't that what I think John Carpenter used to use the very that very synthesizer on like the Halloween scores and everything? If I'm not
4: mistaken, too. Yeah, he's a bunch of a bunch of different stuff from the eighties. I mean, I've actually you know looked up his stuff and like what he used and like what he his actual gear that he used and whatever. He used a lot of different stuff, but a lot of you know just that era, in the eighties. So a lot of those sounds are are in this keyboard and they, and yeah, you can. You know, you can sit and tweak. I can sit and play with this thing all day long. I'm actually sitting on my desk right now, on my studio desk right now. So it's like literally at my fingertips right now. I'll come down in my room sometime and just like, just go through patches and just like tweak patches like all day. And just, you know, and a lot of times not even record it, but just like sit here and just like mess with it. And it's definitely, um, creating soundscapes is, is one of my favorite things to do. Even with Death sound stuff. I mean, you know, the, the songs are like, are like first, obviously the, the meat and bones of the song it's usually guitar bass and drums driven you know what i mean but um along with frank i love to um who who's our dj uh you know a uh, keyboard player in the, in the band he um yeah like I, I love to sit with him and just bring up pedals and plug stuff in and just like that's the fun part and, like sometimes we have we find out we have to like start retracting stuff because you know like you, you can just go down a wormhole and just like you know whatever but we got to sometimes remember that like you know we are a rock band right
1: <laughs> but there are those moments like that's that new song pompeii at the end of that song and the synthesizer cuts in and that's when you hear the seagulls and it kind of, all of a sudden it puts you somewhere. It changes the whole world that we're, where you're listening to it almost. It's really unique, yeah. but yeah, it's an example of exactly what you're talking about.
4: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, uh, synthesizers are, are very like nostalgic for me, like especially certain sounds of, you know, patches and sounds they, you know, they can take you back from anything from like, you know, yeah, it's just, it's just to me, it's, you know something it's like a, a, a neat tool to like play with but yeah you can definitely like go overboard especially like like when we're writing songs like um as far as like sonically sometimes the keys can take away from the the kind of sharpness of the guitar sometimes too so like we have to be very careful that like uh that everything's blended right so so but that's kind of the fun part about about making records now you know too it's like experimenting with certain things and and um and seeing how far you can push things and then, you know, and then scaling back when you need to, whatever. But that kind of stuff is like, that's the fun part.
0: Kicking off the fourth decade of awesome Deftones music, man, with this latest release, Ohms. Now looking back to the early days of adrenaline and around the fur, uh, you know, has the songwriting process evolved or changed much in terms of writing lyrics, melodies, instruments, or effects?
4: Not dramatically. I mean, you know, it, it always kind of starts from, most of the time it starts from us just being in the room together and someone starts making some noise and then the next person sort of responds to that noise. And then the next person responds to that. And it's sort of like this thing that just builds out of nothing or out of just like, it could be a drum beat or it could be a guitar. Or if it could be, you know, a synth line or something or, or a bass line, whatever, uh, uh, some kind of rhythm or groove. And then people just start like, sort of like attaching to it. Like all five of us sort of like, you know, start building upon, upon what, you know, you know, on each other's ideas and then next thing you know sometimes you know we turn around there's a song that doesn't always happen that way i mean I, I think some of our best songs do happen that way because it's kind of you know it's very an organic experience when it happens that way sometimes someone will bring in a, a like a full idea of like hey i have the, you know this first chorus bridge idea whatever that kind of sequence this way they'll play it or or play it for us whatever and then and, and it's in a, or i'll do it like like a pompeii for instance like that's something that i I did at home and just like I had this little, you know, the, all the parts sort of three or four parts kind of like succession of these parts and I recorded it. But then instead of like just playing, sending the demo to them, I just, when we were in rehearsal, I just started playing the riffs in succession and everybody sort of just like joined in and, you know, those things happened And all of a sudden you have a song that's just like uh, where everybody is sort of like, just because I think a lot of it has to do with, with the fact that we have been playing together since the mid nineties or making records since the mid nineties, at least where we all, you know, we kind of all speak this language, the same language, you know what I mean, through our instruments in a way. So we're able to communicate like very easily when someone starts doing something, like it's to kind of find our way our place in it, whatever. So so that's kind of been like that's always been there, I think. Um and it's only gotten stronger, I think, since you know since then. The Blue crew will be right.
3: Charles Bronson is a cop looking for a killer, and he's running out of time. Ten to midnight. I'm a mean, selfish son of a bitch, but I want a killer, and what I want comes first. He found some blood. He's lying. There was no blood on my clothes, and he knows it. When there is no justice, Charles Bronson is the law. Ten to midnight. From Cannon Releasing, rated R. No one under 17 admitted without parent or guardian. Ooh.
2: Did you find a need to try and, like, reconnect in person before starting this album process?
4: Um, yeah, for sure. Um, we we all live in different cities and stuff, like, um, uh, pretty much across the, the states. I mean, our bass player, Sergio, lives in New York. I live in Oregon, Portland. And um, Stefan lives in Los Angeles. And Abe and Frank live in Sacramento. So when we have to get together, it's it's kind of a process as far as, like, we've got to first find a place to meet well we have a studio in sacramento that we've had since the mid 90s so but we hadn't used it for a while so we when we did this record we we actually went back there for the first time in like 12 years the last time we were there we were working on a record that never got released um it was tentatively titled Eros, and um our bass player had been in a car accident at the time and uh we sort of just like like, took a break and we you know kind of figure out like what what we were going to do at that point point. and when we did resume as a band some time later we had went to los angeles and kind of started all of it from scratch again whatever so we hadn't been there like since then that was like 2008 i think so so yeah with the beginning of this process we all sort of decided we were going to work there so we all kind of based out of sacramento we all got lived in hotels and whatever but like spent you know pretty much locked ourselves in the studio from, you know, for a good six hours a night and just got in there and we'll just like hang out. You know, sometimes we get straight to work. A lot of times we just, we just, we just chill. And it's like, it's kind of like a clubhouse there in a way too. I mean, we, um, you know, we have like a bar in there. We have like, you know, so we'll sit around, we'll play poker. We'll, you know, it's kind of like, a, like I said, like a grown man's kind of, kind of clubhouse. So there's a lot of hanging out. And I, and I think that's one thing that, that we really miss. When we were kids, it was, it was easy because we used to rehearse and stuff in his garage. And he lived right down the street from me. So I just ride my skateboard to his house and we'd go in there and we'd make music. And it was, but since, you know, as we've all grown older for us to get together, it's like a thing, like, like we have to plan it out and whatever. So, but yeah, so we try to make it as much kind of like, you know, like hanging out and, and just like, you know, and also we didn't have a, a, a strict timeline of making this record. Like we decided we were going to just hang out and make music and when we felt like we ready, had enough tunes that we liked we'd go in the studio. So we did that. So it honestly took about I mean almost 2 years or so since we started writing till we were done with it, and you know, what I mean, which is um quite quite some time but you know, we worked like one week a month and then everybody go home and then we'd meet up the next month for another 10 days and then we'd go home, you know. So um it was very it was it was a it was a great way to do it where we didn't we weren't like under the gun like oh, we got to do this. It was like we're going to make a record we shouldn't do it for just for the sake of doing it. We should just enjoy it. And and we were able to do that.
1: And it also signifies a reunion with Terry date, right? Who produced the first four Deftones album. What alchemy does he kind of ignite in the process and in the band?
4: Do you find? No, he's rad. And he's just, he's just like, you know, he's almost like a sixth member of the band where, you know, he's been with us pretty much since our first record. And we've had some milestones with him for sure, but we have just like a really great, Relationship with him, working relationship with him, and, and just like friendly relationship with him. Where I mean, he's a little older than us, but um, so we kind of like, you know, he, he kind of has to wrangle us at times, whatever, but we kind of do it on purpose, you know what I mean? So, like, to kind of like just, I guess, almost like a big brother thing where it's just like, you know, like, like he tries to like wrangle us and get us to work, and we're just, we make it hard for him sometimes, <laughs> sometimes <laughs> whatever. Um, but um, but it's all part of like the, the fun of it, you know what I mean? He's like, you know. His glasses, his glasses will fog up and he'll just get like, 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 you know, you can tell he's getting like, you know, steam starts coming out of his ears and he's like, he wants to work and we're just like off screwing around. Um, but, you know, it, but it's funny. It's like, you know, we're, we're almost like 40 year old, you know, we're all, you know, in our forties and we're just like, you know, but what, it's like, when we get to make a record, it's like we all of a sudden we start acting like children again. He's like, you know, and, and, but it's kind of, it's part of the fun of it that we, you know I mean? He just sits there and he, and he sort of helps us stay on track. But also, like, you know, Let's Us Be Us, which is great. And, and uh, just working with him, learning curve of, like, trying to, like, whatever, like, everybody is, like, very much themselves. And, and that's what's great. I think in the, in the end product of the record, it's like everybody is well represented in, in being themselves and, in that way.
1: Before this album, I think my favorite Deftones lyric was in M.X., where you move me like a movie and 30 nights of violence. Oh my God, that song just ripped me apart. But then now on Ohms, we have through the haunted maze in your eyes, right through where I'll remain for all time. It's brilliant, man. There's such a poetry to it all. Is that something you labor on or does that come naturally for you?
4: I I have to work out a little bit. I mean, I I, um writing lyrics is hard And, and it's hard because I always try to stray away from just saying exactly what I'm thinking. Or or try to at least if I'm gonna say, if if I'm gonna say something I want to say it I guess in a more intriguing manner I guess whatever or something that kind of like is not so transparent I guess so yeah that part of it like as far as me me like I I'll like rewrite things a bunch of times to like to make sure that I'm not giving too much away and kind of I don't know just coming off uh, I don't know like I honestly like when I'm at home I don't write at all like I don't I don't have a books of lyrics or poetry or i don't even keep a journal so yeah so a lot of times it's like i'll respond to the music like like you know because we always write the music first so the music is sort of there the bed is there and then it always gives off some kind of vibe so then i'll just start like there'll be a lot of times some like key words or kind of kind of maybe a couple phrases here and there that kind of that stick right away but then after that i like i kind of have to like fill in the, the gaps with like with certain things and and it's not usually till like the song is completely finished, and after listening to it even like you know a dozen or more times, that I'll kind of get a, the gist of like oh well that's what I was sort of like you know this is where it connects to to me you know what I mean. Um, even with like a, like with the White Pony record, which is probably the first record that we did where I really went out like on on a lyrical where I was all kind of fantasy sort of based stuff whatever from Digital Bath to like rx queen like stuff that's just like kind of like you know doesn't it doesn't it's it's not real but after listening to those songs like hearing oh well this is where what i meant you know this is realizing myself where it came from but how much i sort of uh you know use these metaphors and sort of morphed it to just kind of just be this really like disjointed kind of kind of thing that 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 kind of makes sense in a way
1: the video for Ohms is incredible and has a really yeah. eerie vibe to it. Tell, tell us about collaborating with Raffetune and how that process worked. Did you collaborate with him on ideas you had or did Raffetune just go nuts or how did that process work?
4: He, he mostly, he mostly went nuts. I mean, like um, basically the, my main thing was like, okay, well there's all these directors. So you, so that's the way it comes. Like there's, there's this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, this girl, this whatever. So you get all these directors and then you sort of look at their reels and and see whatever so mostly i was dropping him from from just his visuals whatever like because i think he did like a lot of like pop stuff too so it wasn't like you know oh he's done bands like us and did them just like i didn't know like i just liked sort of like his eye i guess whatever and um you know you give him the song that's the main thing because you know you hopefully that uh, he'll connect with the with the words or with the vibe of the song whatever and then you kind of just you know it's, it's kind of in their hands at that point you know and i and i like that too because i, I kind of want that you know i love you know seeing other people's visions of like what they see when they hear something that we made so the first couple um things that i got back like there was things that i liked but then there was things that i was like yo this is what's he doing like i was i got once got a little freaked out like i was like man did like is this right whatever for, for whatever and then like as as it started to come in and more and more I started getting little clips here little clips here and then obviously like, uh, you know, making notes back to him, whatever going back, it was like this thing that was built that in the beginning, no, there was, there was no like definitive idea of what it was, but it became exactly what it, sh- I think what it, what it should have been. I really feel like the imagery captures the spirit of that tune and to make sense out of it is like, uh, I couldn't make sense of you uh, to it. But for some reason it makes sense to me. I feel like it makes sense to a lot of people who watch it. You know what I mean? It, it has this, it carries this weight to it and with the visuals and everything that, you know, that I feel like really matches with the tune.
1: No, for sure. And that that character, that dude with the red cloak and everything going up the staircase, just this collection of marvelous visuals. Did, do you know, like if any of that stuff, was that filmed on practical sets? Does he work all
4: digitally? How does that work? You You know, you know, the majority of that is digital. Like some of those people aren't even people. Wow. Like they're, they're straight. Like they're, they're, they're like, yeah, they're like, straight made digitally which is crazy like i don't think you you really realize it so yeah like like um i was blown away by that too and that's and that's another reason why i really really was just like kind of in the beginning sort of like championing him on because like i was like this is this is something different you know than us it's like you know making videos is always kind of like a weird experience because it's It's be honest, it's fucking acting. You know what I mean? Like we're we're not even playing. We're not even really playing our instruments. You know what I mean? It's like (laughs) we're we're like acting. You know what I mean? And None of us are actors. It's unnatural for that reason alone. So it's so if we're gonna do something, it's like it's kind of sometimes need to come kind of come out of even out of ourselves and sort of allow someone else's like like vision to kind of come in and of what how the song you know let them react to it. Just like how we write music, we all react to each other. Like how someone else react to what, what we done, what, what what we made. And then, uh, so yeah, it's, it's almost self-indulgent for us because we're like sitting there going like, watching it as a fan as well, you know what I mean? And, and getting into it and, and, uh, and vibing with it.
1: It almost has like an occult vibe to it. Yeah, it you yeah. know, occult themes have kind of played their role through your work in the past. Is that something you've got interest in? Or is it the visuals of occult visuals that you like? What is it?
4: Yeah, I mean, I've always been intrigued with that stuff since since I was young. I mean, um, all different stuff too. I mean, just any, any kind of religious stuff to me always trips me out. I mean, it, it, it could be anything. I mean, I, I've, I've, uh, I'm still intrigued by a lot of stuff. I mean, I mean, uh, a lot, even when I was a kid, like a lot of, a lot of just religious imagery in general is like spooky. Like it's been like, and, all, and almost like all religious too, they all have demons. They all have like a uh, certain things that, that, you know, sort of I've been intrigued by whatever. And then, you know, as a kid growing up in in Sacramento, I used to go by like like Anton LaVey's house in uh, San Francisco. Like every time I go to San Francisco, I'd want to go drive by his house. And I don't know if you've ever seen like, uh, there's like some cool videos you can find online too. Now like stuff, uh, or like, like inside his house, whatever. He used to have like, like all these kind of like these satanic sort of like ritual things at his house and like, uh, like I think to had like a lion in his house at the time, whatever, like all that stuff. But you could, at the time when in the, in the eighties, the seventies and eighties, like you were able to like drive, like you were able to like go like his house and his house, he had this black house and he had like a, uh, but he had like a, a, a chain link or like a fence in front of it with like a barbed wire, but the barbed wire went like inward. So like, it was like, in my mind as a kid, I was like, Oh, so you can like, you could jump in there, but then you wouldn't be able to get out.
0: Oh, like, you know, right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and
4: uh, and uh, and I just I was always intrigued with Anton Lavey when I was when I was a kid, and um, and uh, I I actually got to talk to like Marilyn Manson a couple of times. Marilyn Manson actually got to like hang out with him, I think, a few times before he died and whatever. And I was just like, every time I see I see Manson, I'm always asking like questions about him. I'm, like, so what was this like? So what was this like? I'm like like a little kid, like intrigued by you know by by him or whatever, and you know. Manson kind of plays it down, whatever. But uh, but like I love, uh, like ever since I was a kid, I've always kind of been intrigued that kind of stuff. Still am.
2: Are you a believer in the paranormal, or have you had any paranormal experiences?
4: Not anything too extreme. I mean, um, it, what's funny is like one of the one of the probably most like told stories I think about like uh, the White Pony era or the record is that we recorded or that we were living in this house that was haunted um when we recorded it and we we were living in this house all together in the hollywood hills it was like chuck berry's old old house i guess and it was like this huge kind of uh i guess you would call it a mansion i don't know it had you know multiple floors they have like Stephen's room had like a scooby-doo bookcase like that you know you push on and it goes to a secret room like kind of stuff that's awesome uh, oh nice yeah so so um but literally like um, and, I, and, I, and the room that I was sleeping in was actually a, a closet. It was like a cedar. So like there was this big room downstairs, like this master suite, and it had like a, a fireplace in it, like whatever. And Abe's, our drummer, his his bed was like up against the fireplace in there. And then there was this bathroom, this huge bathroom down there. It was and it was all blue. Everything was like blue tile, blue like. The bathtub was blue. Everything was over. That's actually where we, where the, the whole digital bath kind of idea kind of thing came from. But if you could go through the bathroom, there was a closet and it was like this, this big cedar closet. And, and I put my bed in there and there's no windows, whatever. And I, and that's where I, I slept like the whole, not the whole time uh, we were making the record because eventually, because this happened, I ended up moving to a hotel. But basically <laughs> one night I was, so, so basically one, yeah, basically one, one night I was in there and, and um I, like felt, I think people told these kinds of stories, but you feel something like kind of tugging at you, whatever, like, like kind of wake me up. And I thought just someone was in my room trying to wake me up and I woke up and no one was in there. And I looked up at the corner and I saw something on the left, like ceiling corner of the room, sort of levitating in the corner. And, you know, it was like, I, you know, one of those things where you turn away and you like, kind of like wipe your eyes and then look again and it was still there. And And I just like, you know, like hopped up faster than ever and like ran out of the room and literally the next day I checked into the Sunset Sunset Marquee and I stayed there for like the left, the last month, whatever that we were we were recording that record. <laughs> <laughs> um, and
0: other people <laughs> Yeah, and,
4: and then other other guys have stories of kind of that too, whatever, um of that place too. But but that was my experience there and whatever. But that was kinda like one of my only experiences. You know what I mean? Um I, I haven't had too many encounters with supernatural. Do I believe it? Fuck yeah. Dude.
1: Yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, I mean, you visited that kind of realm in the Crosses Project with uh, that spooky ass video for Bitches Brew and the girls having that seance yeah. around the bed and all yeah. that stuff. <laughs> Is that going to be revisited? I know you posted something on Facebook, that bondage guy and the mask like at the end of 2018. Is that going to yeah, be yeah, something yeah. you go back into?
4: Yeah. So so when I posted that, it was crazy because we were in my home studio, you know, the other two dudes that I work with on that project. And at that point we had written probably about six or seven tunes and like really, really good. The, the way it was going, like uh, the direction of it was like super, it, it was a very good and exciting. Like I'm like really, really gravitating towards like the sounds and, the, and the, everything that we're doing with it. So, so, but since then I hadn't had a chance to, to work on stuff. So um, a couple days ago, a few days ago, I've been sort of setting up, I just moved into a new place maybe a little over a month ago. So I'm setting up my, my, uh, my studio room in here and, uh, and I broke out some of that stuff from then and I started working on it. So, you know, now that obviously that I'm Deftones record is, is done and there's no touring really in the, in the, in the near future. Um, I kind of have time to, to work on stuff. So I'm definitely going to, in and uh, and see what kind of you know where i, where I can go with that because i re- i really really like that project the super fun thing that like you know the best part about it for me was like there's like no one knew i was we were making that record even so it was like um you know we, we put it out as eps first and like you know we just kind of dropped out of nowhere and um you know having no expectations just making music that like you know not even thinking that even people will ever hear it but like knowing if they would you know what i mean that'd be rad but but like like not having any, making music with with any expectations was like super freeing and and fun and and um, so yeah I, I really love doing it and i like the guys that i work with on that so i'm going to try to you know get some of that stuff finalized finished up
1: oh that's fantastic and i mean uh, speaking of occult imagery you guys were aligned to to do that tour with poppy who's like a genius at coming up with that and being inspired yeah, by like yeah. yoderowski and all that stuff i, th- I thought yeah. what a perfect
4: match for you guys yeah she's right you know, from the first time that I felt like we, even before she was making music more, you know, more or less, or, 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 you know, just her like little YouTube clips, whatever, where I was just like, I mean, you know, borderline silly in the beginning kind of thing, whatever, but, but, uh, but, but like you couldn't like look away kind of thing. So you just kept like anytime you see something pop up, whatever. But her record that she made last year, whenever I think it came out last year, was awesome. I really liked it. And a couple, I you know, I have a couple of friends who, who actually worked on the music for that, whatever, but I, I I like the music of it and I, I just, yeah, the, obviously the, the, the visuals and everything were just fun, you know, super fun. And, and I, um, I, um, I was looking forward to that. I mean, you know, that we would have, we would have probably just been wrapping that tour up here pretty soon here. Um, or, or, or just recently, if it had gone down, but um, but yeah, we have it planned for next year, and I hope I hope it still happens.
2: On this new album, you've mentioned that it is one of the heaviest albums, and Stefan is using this crazy cool nine string guitar. What was it like working with that guitar?
4: To be honest, I don't. I only think he played that guitar on a couple songs. If that, but but with the way his guitars are kind of set up, like although they look impressive with all these strings he really gravitates towards the main six strings on, him, on the <laughs> guitar. You know what I mean? So, so it's funny because like I was watching like these people's reactions to like uh, the uh, Omen's video and, and like everybody's like, Oh, I don't hear the nine strings. Where's the nine string? And it's like, it's not there. I he, know he's playing the video, but like, it's not there. Cause he didn't play it on there. You know what I mean? But <laughs> yeah. I just, at the same time, I think he, I think, you know, Stefan's like a, he's an interesting character, but he's like the type of guy, a guy that like, if, if there's something new, like he wants it, like 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 technology or anything, like he'll when there's a new camera, a new a new uh, computer, a new thing, like he goes out, he buys it. He doesn't have like like you know any kids or any family, so like he just like indulges in like technology and just like or just like his gear, and he has everything, and he and he buys like three of everything. You know, he can't just like like a new camera comes out and be like, this is awesome. We'll go buy three of them. You know what I mean? I'm just like, why? Like, I like, but but. um but that's it they you know that's his persona that's his that's his thing so like yeah he has it he he has it and pretty soon he'll be playing a harp in our band at, uh, at some point i'm thinking cause, cause it, 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 nice. a hurdy-gurdy or something yeah well he, he yeah i mean he just keeps adding strings with everything but whatever but like i said he he um he, he he usually stays to the six base you know six basic kind of you know strings right in the middle so so he uh so but but yeah, it, it's it's uh it's fun it's fun to watch.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, my son saw it and he was like, Oh whoa, I want one of those. I'm like, let's just get this one down and then we'll talk yeah, about that's, adding that's, more listen, strings.
4: Yeah. That's listen, that's the exact thing I tell to step I want to tell Stefan. Yo, first let's get the six thing one down. First, get the six, the one with six down, and then and then we'll get you that one.
1: Speaking of guitar, Irania has this super interesting guitar riff, almost like a march. Did he come in with that song? Did it start with that interesting guitar riff?
4: That's funny because that song reminds me of like straight up, almost like eighties like metal. You know what I mean? Like a or like a kind of like thrash. You know, like like a thrash metal from the eighties. Sort of whatever. Um, at least like, at least the intro guitar riff. But yeah, it was cool because, like we always do, you know, it starts off like that and then it dips into like this, you know, very sort of like open verse uh, vibe. And then you know, there's a lot of the dynamics I think in that song, which is uh, which is kind of neat. But I did to me that song sounded kind of like a throwback, like like a, probably our most thrash kind of uh, thrash metal kind of uh, vibes I think on this record.
1: And what about Radiant City that starts with that crazy bass riff?
4: Oh, yeah, that's Vega. That's, that's, uh, yeah, Vega came with that, with that bass riff and, and, you know, just like sweet. I mean, he, he's, uh, he's been very, very prolific, like in, in you know, the songwriting stuff, whatever, since he's kind of come in. And, you know, obviously at first, I think he was a, like sort of like finding his place, like within us, whatever, but like everybody in, I mean, our band is, you know, we welcome him with open arms. Like, I, I love, and we all do, we love when somebody is inspired by something and plays something and it's like, what's that? And then everybody kind of gravitates towards it. And yeah, he played that, he played that, that little bass riff and which, you know, it's, you know, Stefan right away. I see him salivate and just like, yes, that's what I like. You know, he loves it. He, he, he loves to, you know, to, to palm, palm, mute his, his, uh, his strings. So he was super excited about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. And follow along. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Leo, you had another question jump in, man
0: yeah in this uh strange time when you can't tour to support ohm's uh, album release, what was the decision to release it now versus a time in the, in the future when you can tour and are you now rethinking future tour sets or design ideas
4: and not so much I mean, I mean well first let me answer the as far as like uh, putting the record out now I think for us it's been long it's been a while i mean we've we like i said earlier we've we've spent a couple of years since we started writing this record, and then before that we weren't, we didn't really tour that much. I mean, our last like tour we did where we were out, like on a tour bus, you know, traveling around was in 2016. So it's been some time since we've actually, you know, we've done, we've done a few one-off shows obviously in the time before we went to write this record. But, um but other than that, we haven't really done too many, too many shows have been out there. So for us, we, I want to put mu- music out and I know that it can't be like, it's like, you know, we want it to be as far as us going out there touring and supporting it. But, I don't know, waiting to me to seem uh, until we can't, or to me, seems like, I don't know, a little, a little little much. So I feel like we, you know, we should put this out and it's obviously not going to be how we'd like it. We'd obviously love to be supporting it, but, but I think just getting music out there and for our, our our fans to hear and and, and to kind of just like, it's also something, you know, in this time where there's not much to do and there's not much, whatever, at least it's it's something new and, and exciting. So that, you know, for that, yeah. As far as like us, touring and all this downtime planning stuff we it's hard to kind of think about you know what touring life's going to be like i don't think anybody really ha- has any sort of clairvoyancy of, of when and how it's going to come back i mean I, I i have a hard time believing that like shows are going to be the way they were like i don't know What do you guys think? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, hey, we're just, we're still trying to get used
1: to distance learning with our kids (laughs) on laptops all over the house. Yeah, dude, I don't know what the world's going to be like. Like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I can't picture anything really going back to normal, but I I don't know.
2: Like, I see things differently now. Oh, I was just saying, like, I I realized that, like, in restaurants, when they had those little kiosks that you can pay on your own and your kids can play, like, those are going to be gone. Yeah, it's like the
1: world's going to be
4: different. It's definitely going to be different. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I don't think it'll be any, like like whatever. As far as like when people use the word normal, kind of what I think it's like. Oh, they mean like where it was like before the pandemic. I, I don't. I, it'll be a new normal. I think. I, I can't imagine it being the way it was. You know what I mean? And being optimistic, maybe it's a better normal. I don't know. You know, maybe people will be a little bit more like appreciative and just like you know, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But but yeah, just like to imagine, though like you know, like the last show we played was in November, uh, I think it was like, yeah, November 3rd or something. Uh, we played our festival Dia de los Santos in San Diego. And like, just to imagine that, I mean, that sounds like, it, it, to me, it seems like a lifetime ago because like, you know, I was on the barricade sweating, screaming in people's faces. Everybody's just like sweating and riding, you know, in, in each other's faces. And like, that's like part of our show you know what i mean like it's really weird to think that like that seems alien now like when you even see it on on tvs and movies or whatever like you're like you know that's how you can kind of time if if it's an old show or or something new whatever it's like when you see people like all up on each other you're like oh this is old you know what i mean it's so weird weird that we're there (laughs) yeah
2: it's interesting to see other bands i mean like metallica had that concert at a where you could go see them on the big screen yeah Yeah. and like bands are trying to like innovate and think of ways to like play live at a drive-in is that something that you would ever consider doing during these times
4: possibly we don't have any like definitive plans to do anything like that with metallica obviously they're a huge band so like for them i think it works i mean they're probably going to sell tickets like in all kinds all different states whatever i mean i could see them filling up driving, whatever that we're not quite at that at that level so i don't know if we can do that but doing something you know it's never going to replace the live show obviously but um i would love to i mean the, the bottom line is that like we haven't like i haven't even seen my band members in six six months or so like we haven't been together like we've all like uh, not only because we live in different cities but but like like even when we filmed our, the the Oms video, we did it all remote. Like everybody filmed their part separate, and then they put it all together. The same with the video that's coming out tomorrow, the Genesis video. So so yeah, we haven't been together. Like we haven't been in the same room. And I, I like I long just to like hang out with those dudes and like you know even just rehearse. Like even if we're not playing a show, like I would love to just be in the room and just like play music together. Um, but we haven't had the chance to do that. Um, I think there's ways we can, and hopefully we will figure out some way to do that soon. But we but yeah six months in and it's kind of like it's a trip for sure.
1: Before we let you go, there's uh, I wanted to ask you another question that, I mean, our listeners are huge fans of, uh, of Chelsea Wolf and they were so happy to see you team up with her on your Sodade project for shadows and light. How did that collaboration work? And what do you love about her voice?
4: She's rad. I mean, she, um, you know, obviously we're, we're sort of, uh, we're from the same place. We're both from Sacramento. So, uh, she's a lot younger than me. So like I didn't, um, I didn't know about her obviously when she was when she was coming up playing in like the cafe stuff I think I'd already moved out of sacramento for the most part but uh when I heard her for the first time I was like taken back like big time like her voice her words her imagery everything I totally connect to it and it's weird because like I said we're we're there's an age difference there where're like sort of it's weird that you know even even my I've changed subject completely but but like my, my my two sons who are 23 and 20 26 six i think now um they grew up you know they obviously grew up in and they're like they're so into like goth and new wave music and and whatever like they know they they turn me out of music sometimes that i that was that's back from the 80s i didn't even know was. i was like what is it is this is this older like yeah this is from 82 i'm like how, how how are you playing this for me you know what i mean you're from a whole different ju- decade you know from a whole different uh uh thing whatever but with chelsea it's like yeah she, we, she connects with this you know this this vibe where i just like uh I heard her and I was, you know, captivated. Obviously, and um, and we became sort of friends over Instagram, or whatever. She reached out to me, and then like we just started like DM and, and talking about music and stuff. And then, and I and I told her that I had this project and with my buddy Chuck who who plays in Crosses with me and he um and he's he's like uh he's got tons and tons of music i mean like he lives here in portland with me so he's probably one of my closest friends that i i see a lot and and work and able to work with so he's got ton, like libraries of music and i i uh, i had to have this song and i was like i'm gonna send this to chelsea like over things so i sent it to her and she literally sent sent me it back like like a couple of days later and with this story that she went she she took a bunch of mushrooms and went like to like uh, like out i think she was out like in a mountain somewhere or whatever, and. And then she wrote the lyrics to the song and and whatever, and then sent me the demo of it. And it was just like, okay, we're, we we got to put this out. Like, and then I added a little a little vocal underneath hers, whatever. But basically, the take the the version that you hear is the is the demo, and it's basically like like her tripping I, in my mind is what I you know the way I take it. And so it so then you know the funny thing is like I I hadn't even I hadn't even like met her like yeah yeah you know, like in per like you know we we talk on. on online but but never um had even like you know met her in real life whatever so last october i think we played this meltdown festival which is a uh, um the cure robert the cure's robert smith curated this festival and it was at the rose bowl in uh in los angeles and uh, pasadena and she was on it as well so like i showed up to the show and like i walked backstage and she was like walking like we were both walking at the same time we just like both looked at each other and like ran up to each other and gave each other a hug it's like we knew each other so well but we had never like really seen each other in real life so it was it was just kind of a cool experience and then um like later that night just like her and i and robert smith hanging out was like very very surreal yeah. <laughs> wow, wow that's the coolest thing that's ever. Awesome. <laughs> yeah like like you know he's sort of like the godfather of like a lot of i, I mean I, I will say for myself i mean as far as like wanting to be a musician a singer and someone to write lyrics like he was very very influential on what i did and i know obviously influenced so many people but chelsea probably included and that was just like you know it was like her and i sitting there like with like our our uh, whatever like just sitting there talking with him and just like you know i was i was do out. i mean i've met him a couple of times but just like every time i do i just have a million questions for him you know what i mean and uh and he, he seems to get a kick out of it because like how about these like little like things like from cassettes and things that i'll ask him about well, what about this and what about that and he'll kind of tell me the story about it, whatever, and I just, I'm so privileged to be able to, like, you know, to be able to have that relationship with him.
1: Oh, man, I'm glad that he's awesome and nice and, and, you know, will regale the stories, too, because it could go the other way, you never know, right? Right. That's amazing. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Oh, it it definitely could, yeah, but he's super sweet. I I love As you oh, guys are awesome. constantly
2: morphing, leveling up, and challenging yourself and us as listeners, do you feel like there'll ever be a time where you feel like you've said everything you've wanted to say with Deftones?
4: Maybe, but I don't know. Like, I don't, if, if you ask me today, like, what do I have to say? I would tell you I have nothing to say. I mean, if you asked me right before we started making this record, I would tell you, well, I, you know, because I've, I've never approached music like where, or, or especially. Uh, writing lyrics or any of that like that like i'm i'm writing it because i have something to say you know what i mean like i'm not trying to to like uh change anybody's anything i'm i I like literally i'm just reacting to the music that that the guys are are, are, are that we know that we're creating from from out of nowhere so yeah it never really comes from a place of something to say it's always just like you know this is what we do and this is fun like i'm reacting to like to the guy that's next to me and the guy that's next to him and the guy that's next to him. So it's like we're in this circle and then we just sort of all just start like ping ponging back and forth. And next thing you know, there's music, you know, there's, there's, there's songs.
2: That's amazing.
1: Gino. Very cool, man. Thank you so much for spending the time with us. This is amazing. As a huge fan of yours, this is amazing.
4: Yeah. Awesome. Thank and then, well thank you guys so much for having me it
2: has been rad that was a boo crew podcast episode 159 special thanks to our guest chino moreno of deftones
1: follow at deftones on instagram and twitter and get their new album ohms at time of release available friday september 25th
2: if you liked our conversation with chino go back and hang out with poppy on episode 84 and episode 129 with chelsea wolf music for this episode from deftones production tracks provided by power man 5000 till next time it's the Boo Crew saying, sweet scream.
3: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew Podcast. Haunt the Boo Crew at Crew.com. Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Lauren and Trevor Shand and Leone D'Antonio. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand. chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a ESP Creation, part of the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Bye! The Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network,
0: home of the Boo Crew. Horror-centric interviews, SCP archives, weekly full cast storytelling, horror queers, genre commentary from an LGBTQ perspective, and creepy. For disturbing and terrifying creepy pastas. Listen free wherever you stream
4: audio and at bloodydisgusting.com slash podcasts.